It's Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and that's Richard. What's up, Richard? I'm doing good, John. How you doing today? I didn't ask how you were. I said, what's up? I said, how are you doing? I'm good. There that's, you go. That's don't, how the exchange hey, is supposed don't to Don't second guess what I say. <laughs> we're feeling very sassy today. <laughs> Get ready, people. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Hey. Are you following us on Facebook, Instagram? If the answer is no, then get out of here. We don't want you anymore. No, uh, seriously, follow us at Bronze and Modern Gods on Facebook and Instagram. And if you like this video, give it a like and subscribe. If you don't, do it anyway. I told you, gosh darn it. I'm going to send you to your room if you don't. And if you want to wear a T-shirt that has our stupid logo on it so people can pelt you with rocks and garbage at the next convention, go to bronzeandmoderngods.com, click the T public badge, or look at the link down in the description below. A lot of you bought T-shirts, blowing us away. Uh, I think that's amazing. Thank you. And, uh, hey, that's it. Bye. We'll see you next week. Oh, no, wait. There's a whole show we have to do. <laughs> our main topic this week is our top underrated Silver Age comic books. I cannot believe we have not done this yet, Richard. All right. Yeah. We did bronze before, but now it's time for Silver Age. Now it's time to completely go off off our mission statement <laughs> the silver age. Uh, we also have other underrated books of the week a 25 year old book that you'll all love and of course we're going to start off as always with our hot book of the week richard what is it our hot book of the week is teenage mutant ninja turtles number one cgc 9.8 that sold this week on comic link for 245 thousand dollars well that's just about a down payment on a house here in southern california <laughs> yeah yeah that's a down payment for a house pretty much anywhere that is just an amazing amount for a 1984 comic book that's amazing i mean i understand why 9.8s are as rare as hen's teeth which i didn't understand that saying when i was a kid uh how do hens eat don't they have teeth no they don't john so that okay all right so there are <laughs> two thousand of those uh it's got that black border cover that catches everything especially fingerprints this book is notorious for big thumbprints richard i'm your copy yeah yeah the the, the, the mine's a third print but this first print there's only there were three thousand books in the print run yeah. It's got that whole, that black cover that is just like, as you mentioned, so susceptible to, to fingerprints and, and, and um, just plain damage. It's an odd size on top of that. It's, yeah. it's a self, it's a self printed book, you know, and it, it, it's really obvious that it's not one of the, the standard books and it's just rare in 9.8. The funny thing is there are 34 9.8s on the census for the first print. There's actually less for the second print. There are 12 9.8s on the census for the second print and the third print and the 73. And those are the three prints that have the original uh, cover design. The fourth and fifth prints have different designs. To them. And the fifth is, uh, or is the fourth as well as actually comic book sized. Yes. Uh, uh, you've got that. This book has, you know, seen a little bit of a gain in the last two years. <laughs> Uh, in 2019, it sold for $71,400. So nothing like tripling your money in a two-year span. Hey, forget yeah. stocks and bonds. Amazon what? <laughs> Apple who? Uh, yeah, there's a remark copy that sold in 2017. I asked my wife, if I spent $26,000 on a comic book in 2017, what would you do? And she looked at me funny until I told her that same book in 2021 would be $245,000. That's a great return on your investment. 
I know she wants a pool. So this is how you get a pool, people. Uh, so uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, just an unstoppable juggernaut of a Copper Age book. It is amazing. Yeah, Copper Age, you know, Copper Age has its blue chip books. Uh, Silver Age has a ton of blue chips, books that will retain their value regardless of the ebbs and flows of the market. But this is definitely one of the, the, the uh, Bronze Age I would say it's copper. 83, we're going to call it copper. Is it 83? Yeah, let's call it copper. What the heck? Just for the purposes of this show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Copper age. Call it copper. Let's do it. Uh, which is a great segue to our main topic. Not really. Uh, our top underrated <laughs> silver age comic books. Uh, yeah. We don't talk enough about the silver age on this show. Uh, copper age. Um, I get it. There's that sweet spot that's happening now where those people are getting in their 40s. Uh -huh. They're aging right into it where they've got money to spend. Uh, Silver Age, you've got uh, people a little older than us, I think. You know, Richard and I are both 29. And so we weren't there for the Silver Age. But I do collect a lot of Silver Age. And so does Richard. We just don't talk about it enough on this show. So we thought we would share some of our underrated Silver Age comic books and I'll get started. And you know, by the way, before we get started, you know we're going to pick some odd stuff, right? You know it's not going to be what you normally get from a comic book uh, podcast. So get ready because my first pick is not brand ech number one. Pause for garbage to be thrown at me. All right. This was Marvel's very first parody and satire comic book. Uh, now, Stan Lee had previously done some under the Atlas banner, like Crazy and Riot and stuff like that. But this was a book specifically devoted to uh, satire and parody of comic book characters. And then later on, as the run continued, they did some movies and things like that. Uh, issue one is unique. It's got a Jack Kirby cover. It features a Silver Surfer parody by Stanley and Jack Kirby. He is the Silver Burper. Elbow in the ribs. That's a good one. Uh, but what the heck does the title, Not Brand Ech, mean? When I was a kid, I saw this book and I didn't understand, well, what does that mean, Not Brand, huh? And I just, it never hit uh, that part of my brain where I went, oh, I get it. Here's why it's called that. In the letters pages in the 60s Marvels, Stan had taken to referring to the competition. DC was the distinguished competition and all mm -hmm. the other companies like Archie and, and Charlton that were kind of riffing on the Marvel style and trying to do fake Marvel books. He called them brand ech, which was a play on TV commercials back then where, you know, you would have mm -hmm. long urgent being compared to brand X. We're going to compare Dove dishwashing liquid to brand X, right? So Stan just did a play on that, and that was Brand Eck. And that was his way of saying, this is a book about parodies. It looks like a Brand Eck book, but it's not Brand Eck. It's actually a Marvel book. That's a long-winded explanation for a very strange title, right? No, great. Thanks for clearing that up, because I've always wondered that. Right. Uh, CGC 9.8 of this book sold for $1,256 in June of 2020. I think that's low. Uh, this is a very overlooked Marvel Silver Age number one. We have seen the influence of this title throughout the Marvel Age with titles like Crazy in the 70s and What the in the 80s and early 90s. 
And Marvel always seems to have a parody book on the on the back burner, and Not Brand Deck was the first one. You know, Marvel doesn't do parody books anymore. They, have they just become too full of themselves, or is that just a generational thing? Because there, you know. there was a crazy one shot, I think, last year or two years ago. Uh, and I think, honestly, that's what I call a trademark uh, secure theater, uh -huh. where they just put a title out to make sure they got the trademark secured. Uh -huh. But they'll dip their toe every now and then with a parody book. But no, they're not, not an ongoing. Uh, yeah. You don't live in a world that has Mad Magazine anymore either. No, well, they still do Mad Magazine. I believe it's quarterly now. Oh, they do. I yeah, know that. DC owns Mad Magazine. Uh -huh. So uh, there you go. What's your first book? My first book is not very surprising. It is a Doctor Doom cover, uh, Fantastic Four number fifty-seven. Uh, this is I picked this book one because it is a really sharp cover for Doctor Doom. He's he's on the cover there. With the Fantastic Four, it's just just really powerful looking cover. In this particular issue, Doctor Doom steals the power cosmic from the Silver Surfer and hops on his <laughs> hops on his surfboard. That uh, is an immortal panel right there. Is Stan yeah. and Jack at their best? I love it. I absolutely love it. So he hops on the surfboard. You know, I, I want a T-shirt with that panel on it. I do too. I I may have to make something like that happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, 50, 58, the story continues. And in 58, he actually defeats the Fantastic Four. And rather than destroying them, he louds over them with his ability to ignore their futile attempts at beating him. And he flies off as opposed to just killing them. And then, you know, ending the Fantastic Four series at 58. These villains are never very efficient. I, they would not last in corporate America. No. Uh, it's, it's an interesting story that it was actually used in, in the 2007 Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer as the inspiration. What did you think of that movie? Uh, all of the Fox um, Fantastic Four movies were just. They were a product of their time. I, I'm not going to say that they are great movies. If you watch them when they came out, um, they made sense at the time because, you know, Fantastic Four was not a a family, you know, well-known uh, family outside of comic books. So there, there was a lot of setup that had to happen. I just think, you know, everybody got bummed when Galactus was a giant cloud. Yes, yes. Boo. All yes. right. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, GPA night for 9.8 for this book is actually $6,500. So it's a good good price for a GPA. Me personally, though, it's it's going to be tough to get books of that high quality. I would look more around the 7.0, 8, 8.0, a 7.0. Uh, so the last sale was $455, and that's up from the 90-day average of 346 So there's definitely some value in this book as we get more news about Doom, which is inevitable here in the next few years. I can see this being one of those books that just goes up in value. And Dr. Doom on a surfboard, hanging 10. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Moon Doggy! <laughs> you can't beat that. I'm sorry. That's that's worth it just uh, alone, just that panel. All right, crossing the street over to the competition, the distinguished competition, DC. I have Justice League of America number 21. This is the first meeting and the first annual summer crossover for the Justice League and the Justice Society of America. This is also the first appearance uh, in the Silver Age for the Justice Society of America. You've got Dr. Fate, Our Man, all, the, all those guys that hadn't been seen since the uh, very early 50s. 
Now, while their Uber high grades for this issue do go for some crazy cash, it's not exactly underrated in 9.8, I'm saying. A 9.2 sold for just $1,600 in January this year. And oh, that, wow. yeah, does that not seem insanely low to you? It sure does. I mean, you've got this iconic cover that has been homaged a billion times. It was the first uh, mention of, uh, you know, uh, these two teams actually having a connection earth Two actually kind of started over in the flash with that first golden age flash crossover. And this just took it to the next level. And I, I can't believe a 9.2 is under $2,000 in 2021. It's, it's, you know, DC has lagged in a, a, a you know, value and appreciating a value behind the MCU and Marvel. If the DC movies were generating the same kind of hype and interest that the Marvel movies did, I think we'd see a spike in these books as well. Yeah, and also you have to keep in mind, Silver Age DC is much tougher in grade than Silver Age Marvel because uh, Marvel had an older audience, college age, college age audience in a lot of respects. They saved their books. The hardcore collectors loved the Marvels. They Some like Jerry Bales and Roy Thomas were big DC guys, but they read their books. I mean, they referred to them. They wrote encyclopedias <laughs> and fanzines about them. So they are tougher in high grade. So uh, Justice League of America 21, man, if I saw a 9.2 slab for 1600 bucks, I would not hesitate. Oh, that, that would be a great pickup in my opinion. So since we're on the DC tip, you've got one as well for your next pick. Yes, my next pick uh, is Showcase number 79. This is the first appearance of Dolphin. This is one of the one of the covers I have been chasing um, since I got back into comics. It's, it's just a gorgeous Google art type of cover with Dolphin. You know, she's swimming in, in the ocean and it's just just her solo on the cover. Awesome cover. Dolphin is a character who uh, later becomes the wife of Tempest, who is Aqualad. is actually a backup Aqualad story, origin story in this book. And it's, it's, it's a really tough book to get in high grade. The cover is, is a full-color cover, so spine ticks show up all over this thing. Um, a 9.8 sold in April of 2021 for $14,400. Doesn't surprise me. This was a, a dollar bin book for decades yeah and the, the, the it's a huge hockey stick on this one a 9.6 sold in december of 2020 for 1161 dollars so there's, there's a uh, massive, uh, massive difference between the 9.8 and the 9.6 and a thirteen thousand dollar difference just yeah. for one grade uh down that's crazy would you get a 9.6 for 1161 dollars I would. I've I've had a couple raws of this book, and um, I just not found a, a high quality, a nine point six or nine point four. I I would definitely buy one for that price. This is one of the books that whenever I'm digging and I see it, I always text you right away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Richard, do you want this one? <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Dolphin. Uh, it's uh, it's really one of those obscure characters that never really caught on uh, and again, ended up in quarter quarter boxes as we called them back in the day uh, dollar bins. Now you would never see this in a dollar bin today, uh, but it's one to grab. If you do see it, uh -huh. my next one back over to Marvel is strange tales. One Oh one. 
This is the first solo Human Torch story since the 1950s. If you want to get super technical and split some hairs, it's the very first Johnny Storm Human Torch solo story. It is also the very first Fantastic Four spinoff. This is before Inhumans. This is before Silver Surfer. The Human Torch was the first one to get spun off into his own title. The story is by Stanley and Jack Kirby. It doesn't get any more founding fathers than that. Right, right. And as a bonus, it even has a Lee and Steve Ditko backup story in it as well. To put this comic book in perspective, what would you say, Richard, mm-hmm. if I told you it was published the same month as Fantastic Four number seven? Really? It's that old. It's amazing. It is contemporaneous. Ooh. With <laughs> four number seven. It's crazy that this book is so undervalued still. I used to own the Twin Cities Pedigree copy. Oh, wow. With white pages as an 8.0. It sold for $1,740 this past March. I sold it, I think, five, six years ago. For 800 bucks, I wish I kept it. One of those dumb things where I needed cash. I was buying a house. I had to scare up some money. Uh, I would buy this back for that uh, 1740 easy. Uh, mm-hmm. You offered it to me today. Hey, whoever has the Twin Cities, uh, Strange Tales 101, <laughs> hit me up. Uh, very, very scarce in high grades above an 8.0 and just insanely undervalued for the significance of this book in the Marvel age. Mm-hmm. Wow, definitely great pick. My next pick is a weird one. Okay, go back to, you know, Richard in 1979. Mm-hmm. And um, my my mother was, uh, she took some, she used to take me to thrift stores and we'd wander to the thrift stores. She'd be looking at clothes and a variety of things. And I'm bored out of my mind, okay? Um, so she ended up buying me some books. And, and one of the books that she bought me is Eagle Annual from 1962. How this got to the States, I'm not really sure, but it was there at this um, at this thrift store. The annual is sort of like, it's hard to describe. It's a comic book. It's, it's like an anthology. It's sort of part boy's life, part, um, you know, comic book magazine uh, in, in its size and in its format. And it's a magazine or it's a book that was out from 1950 through 1969. This thing is huge, 176 pages, and it's stuffed with a variety of things. There is, there are comic book uh, stories. Dan Dare is the the main uh, character in in most of those stories. Dan Dare, the pilot of the future, he's a Buck Roger like uh, character. Frank Frank Hampton did the art for it, and it is amazing. It's very detailed. The stories are very detailed. I would spend hours staring at his uh, rocket ships, spaceships, and and the diagrams that they would do for the stories. It it just it was one of those books that became dog-eared because I read it over and over and over. This was back before I before you bought fifteen comics at a time, and you had a I had a variety of options of what to read. Uh, you know, I would go out and pick up this book and read it and read it and read it. Um, the, the book again was highly realistic in the stories. Uh, they actually hired a young Arthur C. Clarke to be a consultant for this, the, the spaceship rocket ships, which is amazing. It's, it, it is, 
a part of my childhood. There really isn't any value associated with this. The GPA for this, it's not listed. Uh, I don't know if they don't consider it a comic book or if it's considered a magazine. The annual is kind of a kind of a, like, again, an uh, anthology of stories from from uh, the. Was, was it a hardbound annual? Like a lot of the British. That's probably yes. why they, they probably won't slab it. So there's no data. That's true. That's yeah. very true. It, it is a hard hardback book. Um, you know, it's and I would almost consider it pulp if it wasn't for our for the, the there was it was color artwork in here. It's just a great book. Uh, it has the historical value. Again, for me, it's a book that I read cover to cover. It's a book that really fostered an early me in an interest in comic books. It was this book and different um, adventure magazines, uh, adventure comics, uh, Legion of Superhero stories that really just made me interested in comics and you know, and more in this in a passing way. So this uh, this book I I, I uh, highlight <laughs> for uh, to honor that early you know 19, 1979 Richard Brown. Um, he's he's looking up and seeing all this all the stuff I have on the walls now and probably shaking his head and I've taken a little too far. Do you still have it? I do. I still have it. It's at my mother's house right now. I, I didn't, I it has not made the trek from house to house like my comic books have, but I could lay my hands on it. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. British annuals were uh, just what they say on the tin. They were uh, hardbound annual publications that came out around Christmas time over there. They were used as like stocking stuffers, little bonus Christmas gifts for kids. And there would be, you know, a Superman annual or a Batman annual. And you sometimes see these on the market and they look you know basically like hardbound reprint books and mm -hmm. that's what they were uh so that's really that's a cool one uh and you got that uh you know what screw it it's the 25 year rule <laughs> Uh, got yada yada 25 years ago yeah you know what it is <laughs> Five years we're going back to 1996 uh and we're looking at the comic books that were uh still around in 1996 it was a bad time for the industry but everybody has their sweet spot and if you were around then you might remember some of these including this one sliders number one richard did you watch sliders I did. I do remember watching the show. I remember that it had very little substance to it, but it was an enjoyable show to watch. It doesn't get more 90s than this. <laughs> A comic book published by Acclaim and Valiant under the, the Armada uh, brand, which was weird, based on a sci-fi show on the Fox network. I mean, there's your nineties right there in a nutshell. <laughs> what an awful, awful, horrible cover is on this book. <laughs> what, was there an editor involved? What did somebody look at it before it went to press or did they just go, 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 go. I mean, dear Lord. Um, but an interesting art team inside. It was actually penciled by Dick Giordano, former editor-in-chief of DC Comics and mostly known as an inker, and with uh, a good old Mark DiCarlo, Mike DiCarlo on inks, this was a two-issue miniseries. Despite the vomitous cover, it must have <laughs> sold well enough to be followed up by three additional miniseries, and even one issue was written by series star Jerry O'Connell, 
Roz, I know. <laughs> Roz for this awful looking book are about three bucks on eBay, but a 9.8 CBCS slab sold for $64 in July. I, I, I'm shocked there has not been a Sliders revival of some uh, sort. Yes. This, this is like Effect of Life's comics. I mean, do, do we really need this particular book? I would buy the Natalie spinoff of the Fact of Life. <laughs> oh, boy. No, I, I don't remember this particular book, and that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, but, Acclaim was weird then. They were doing – they did a Baywatch comic, for God's sake, at, at uh, Valiant. So Valiant was really struggling at this point. They had got bought by uh, Acclaim Video Games – and the idea was, oh, Shadow Man will be a video game now. And we'll make all these great moves. And they basically ran the company into the ground. Mm -hmm. um, they tried to revive it in the very early 2000s. They even did Unity 2000, you know, which was going to try to reclaim that Valiant universe that they had, they, I was going to say, pissed away. Can I say pissed away? You could say it. <clears throat> Your podcast. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't do well. Um Jim Shooter actually wrote it. Jim Starlin was drawing it. They got three issues out the door of six before they went bankrupt. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, Unity 2000 number three is very tough to find. So, uh, yeah, Sliders, uh, go find it. Okay, we're going to move on <laughs> to our underrated books of the week. More underrated books, more Silver Age underrated books. For me, I got another one. Two Gun Kid number 60. This is the first appearance of the new two-gun kid by those two up-and-coming kids named Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. They're going to go somewhere someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two-gun kid was basically a Western superhero. He has a secret identity as a lawyer. This is before Daredevil. Okay. And he wears a mask. And in yeah. fact, there's a crazy sequence where Jack Kirby explains how the two-gun kid gets into his costume so fast. Basically, it's standing there. And he jumps into it, right into the boots and everything. It's it's insane. I'll find an image of it. Uh, uh, the highest graded copy of this book is an 8.5. A 7.0 sold for $999 in June of this year. It's a super tough book in any grade. I should know. I've, I've searched for this book many times over and over. Uh, very much so uh, in 5.5 or above, it's super tough. You sometimes see notes about the issue number and the month being handwritten. And they they call it the handwritten variant. Oh, wow. There's no variant on this book. Every single title or every single issue has that handwritten thing. Wow. Don't, don't really get fooled by the handwritten variant thing. Now, regrets, I've had a few. One of them is selling my 7.0 copy a few years ago around the same time that I sold... That other book I was talking about earlier that I've already forgotten about, Strange Tales 101. <laughs> Along with Rawhide Kid number 17, uh, this is a very neglected part of early Marvel history. This is Stan and Jack finding their sea legs as a partnership, working things out, uh, learning everything that they're going to be able to apply to the Fantastic Four. So uh, this is this is important. I think this is after Fantastic Four, just around the same time. So they were on a roll then. But Two Gun Kid 60, man, it gets no love. That's too bad. Now, why don't you bring us up to something a little more current with your underrated book? Yeah, my, my underrated book is Teen Titans number 75, uh, the 1 in 25 variant with the cover by Adam Hughes. This book dates back to 2009, 
it is a it is a rare book. This 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 is more of a uh, be on the lookout kind of thing. You know, I look at the books that I have on my search lists every, you know, I have 60 different uh, titles that I search for uh, on eBay and I was looking through them. And this is one that I've been looking for for quite some time. Uh, it is a gorgeous cover by Adam Hughes of um, Coriander on the cover, uh, Starfire. And it is one of those books that people who are collectors of Adam Hughes works uh, work are searching for. So yeah. if you are a big Adam Hughes fan, this is definitely a book to add to your list of books to search for on a regular basis. The GPA for it is about $640. Um, that's what the last sale was. Um, there was a high in 2019 for this book of $815. So it's, it's, you can find one for under a thousand. There are uh, on eBay there are some signed by Adam Hughes. If you're looking for signed, I've seen those as well. Don't pay that right now. There's a copy up on, on eBay for $1,600. Don't, huh. do, don't, don't do that. Uh, if you're just patient, this is definitely one of those books where if you wait and are patient, you can find one for uh, around GPA, even with the market that's out there today. So definitely if you're, if you're a completionist for Adam Hughes, this is a book that you want to have on your list. Or if you're just a fan of uh, Teen Titans, this is a great book. The story is, is, isn't important here as much as the cover. So, um, again, if you're looking for Adam Hughes, Teen Titans number 75, the one in 25 variant. So this is an era of DC where there weren't, you know, any big events or anything, not, nothing like New 52 or uh, – rebirth or whatever it was called uh so i can't imagine any retailer ordering 25 copies of teen titans number 75 yeah that's that's it's it's a high barrier um and the book is rare but i also feel that all the all the copies of it have not been found yet so uh if you're digging through i had <laughs> one of one of my, one of my uh, local comic book stores i uh, had a run of these and I'm paging through it. They was from like 50 all the way through 100, around 100. And I'm paging through and I'm paging. I get, I get to 73. Okay, 74. Okay, 78. <laughs> you know, one of those things. So I know there, I know people uh, still have this run out in, in, in long boxes. There's a possibility in those, in those runs that you'll find one of these 1 in 25 covers. I just want you to be able to pick it out. Uh, and that that to me is is the secret of really finding some of these rare books to recognize them on site and being able to to pick them up when other people are sitting there staring through their um, through their uh, websites trying to find something. Know it by sight and be able to pick it up immediately. Pick it up and sell it to Richard for five bucks. Please. Yeah, do. Please. <laughs> All right. That is going to wrap the show up for this. week. Huh? You almost did it. Ah, no, uh, I caught myself. Yeah. Uh, make sure you follow us at Bronze and Modern Gods at Facebook and Instagram. And if you like this video, show us some love by hitting the like button and the subscribe button and tell a friend, as Barnaby used to say. <laughs> Those of you people who know who Barnaby was. Wow, was, Chad, you're really just pulling out the old references, aren't you? No, Google Barnaby, you'll see. <laughs> All right, we will see you later on this week. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, John. Everybody, peace, stay.